0: every team, every topic, everywhere this is believe. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Angels podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host Adam Riggs. This week I sat down with Tim Salmon, my teammate for 2 years in 2003 and 2004 with the Angels. I had a great time catching up and reminiscing with him, so without further ado, let's get to the interview. Today I'm joined by Mr. Angel Tim Salmon. Rookie of the Year, World Series champion, and all-time home run leader for the Angels. Tim, thanks for joining me today on the pod.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here, Adam. (laughs) We're laughing. It's like a blast from the past. I haven't heard from you in 15 years. So good to see you.
0: Yeah, I love to catch up with old friends. So let's start at the beginning. In uh, 1989, you were selected in the third round out of the Grand Canyon University. In 1992, you have a monster year at Edmonton. And you make your Major League debut in 23 games. Now, we kind of talked before we got on this pod that you had a big jump from 91 to 92. What was the reason for that jump?
1: I think health, uh, when I look back on it, um, you know, to kind of back it up a little bit. I mean, I was slated to be a first-round pick in 89, and I slid to the third-round pick. So, I was a player that was – I wasn't too far away from the big leagues, but something – made me slide. And so when I got to the minor leagues and the angels took me, they felt like, you know, they had a first round pick. The problem was my first year in a ball halfway through the season, I got hit in the face with a fastball and broke my nose. So I missed that part of that year. So then the very next year I went to Palm Springs in a ball and I got hit again a month into the season and broke my jaw. So I missed that season. So my first two seasons in pro ball were derailed. So when you look at my numbers or you look at my baseball card, my real first year of playing a full season was double-A Midland. And, you know, I had, I did some good things, but I had some areas I had to work on. Well, that was really my first full season to play minor league baseball, start to finish and really develop. And I learned a lot and I went home that off season and had a couple coaches that built into me some things to work on. And I came out that next year in triple-A and had a coach, Lenny Sicata, was fantastic. He's an old timer and probably not many guys know his name, but He's the one that made the connection from the fact that this is not just a physical game, it's a mental game. And that was really the key. It went from being up there, going up there swinging for the fences every time or just relying on my physical skills to, okay, this is a cat and mouse game. Let's put some mental focus behind this. And let's start seeing how the game is being played on the mental side and see if you can get ahead of that curve and make some adjustments. And I did. And I had a fantastic year. So when I look back on my minor league career, yeah, it was three years, but it was a mess for the first two. Uh, What I really see is the two full seasons in double A and triple A. I kind of count those as really my two years. Just looking at the stats. You, uh, I don't
0: have them in front of me, but the biggest improvement I saw was uh, you walked a lot more. Your batting average rose in- incredibly. And every great player, there's always somebody in the beginning of their career that they run into. And you thank God that you did run into them because without them, you wouldn't be the player you are today. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah,
1: it was for me and that it was learning how to hit the off-speed pitch. And you know the sliders, the the eliminator. I mean, the yeah. <laughs> pro ball. Learning how to hit the slider, and I had a Lenny was great at teaching me that. It really, it had to incorporate being patient at the plate, and which came walks, yep. and seeing more pitches, and not just going up there bullheaded trying to get the head out every time I pull it. You know, it became more of a the cat and mouse and really scouting the pitcher and what he's trying to do and then, you know, playing the game of they pitch backwards with runners to score position and, you know, kind of anticipating. And, you know, that was the mental side of it. But what it really did was it taught me how to hit the off-speed pitch and then that was the game changer. When I could hit the off-speed pitch, now my average went up and all that. So that was the yeah.
0: difference. Oh, that's cool. So 1993, you made the team out of spring training, played the full season, won Rookie of the Year, 283, 31 home runs, 95 RBIs. Man, not too many guys put up those numbers that first year. What was that like?
1: I've always been a player that I don't really I don't really pull my head up to take a look around and see what I'm doing. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, kind of I got my head down at, you know, at the anvil, pounded away, and my focus was just very much every day just doing what I had to do. And, you know, I leave the big picture to the writers and the people around you. You know, you kind of wake up at the end of a season you're like, wow, nice body of work there. I've never been a player that follows my stats, watched my stats. I never really set statistical goals. You know, about the only statistical goal I was really concerned about was keeping my strikeouts around 100. (laughs) You know, back (laughs) then that was a big deal. It's not such a big deal. Back then it was. And it was, you know, the walks and strikeouts kind of trying to match. I know I can hit home runs. I know I can hit for a good average. I mean, it's going to be what it is. It's just go up there and be focused on what you can control is that game. Those four at-bats, whatever pitches you see, be in control of that and execute the best you can. And where it is is where it's going to be. And maybe it's a simple-minded approach, but my focus was never really too much further out ahead of me than than it needed to be. And just whatever the immediate task in hand was, that's where I was looking.
0: Yeah, I mean, all the great ones are like that. They stay in the moment. It's like the four-foot putt, right? I mean, it's the putt you should make. But if you start thinking about results, then you yeah. can, I mean, it starts getting you off. Yeah. All right. So let's fast forward six years later. In 1999, the Angels are 70 and 92. They're last in the AL. They fire Terry Collins to bring Joe Madden as the interim manager. In 2000, they hire Mike Sosha, who assembles probably the best coaching staff ever Ron Rennecke, Bud Black, Joe Madden, Mickey Hatcher, and Alfredo Griffin. You guys immediately go to 82 and 80. And we kind of discussed it before this. That's a pretty good jump. Tell us, what do you feel about that turnaround?
1: Yeah. Well, The organization from about 94 on went to a rebuild mode, and 95 came together really nicely, and we had the one-game playoff against Seattle. You know, we lost the 12-game lead we had that year, and, and then 96, you know, a few bumps in the road, but we still had a really good team, some injuries. 97, we had a great year came up just short. So you could see the team was trending in the right direction with a good core group of youth. And then 98, 99 just had some major injuries to our pitching staff and it fell apart and heads got a roll. And Terry's, you know, I don't necessarily blame managers for team's failures, but, you know, he took the heat for it. And in came the new the new regime, uh, as well as with the new GM and Bill Stoneman, and yep. they had a nice core group of players to build on and work with. And Bill was pretty handy at cherry picking minor league guys and really finding the right fit. And Socha was great at putting together chemistry in a clubhouse and guys that play his style of play. And that first year, we had a pretty good year, but there's still some tweaks to be made. And mm-hmm. I think really the interesting thing was oh one one was just really a drop-off after 2000. Yes, yeah, all that. And everybody yeah. thought, like, okay, what happened? We've been trending pretty nicely for about four or five years now, and then all of a sudden the drop-off, and, and and that's what made oh two 2 so special because we got off to the terrible start and then ended up turning it around in a big way and, and ultimately winning a championship.
0: I did an interview with Ron Renneke a couple weeks ago, and we were discussing that. In 2002, you guys start off really slow. They were uh, writing. Slow was bad. It was bad. And they were saying Social was on the chopping block at that time. He said, You know, one night, you guys got bases loaded, you're struggling. Eckstein's up, goes deep, hits a grand slam. And he said, Everybody just got fired up. Like a week later, he hits another grand slam. And he said, After that, you guys just kind of rolled and you guys had such a good bullpen. Mm-hmm. and you had a very smart offense that if you guys were tied later in the game or if you're six inning on, you knew the bullpen was going to hold them down and you knew the offense was going to generate runs because you were so good at the fundamentals. You guys were very aggressive on the base pass first to third, put a lot of pressure on the opposing teams. That was kind of his view. Would, would you yeah. Do you remember that? I mean, you kind do. of remember it that
1: way? Yeah, I, I do recall some of those. I think I did hit a couple grand slams mm-hmm. in, within a short period of time and yeah, things did kind of turn around about that time, and I can recall meetings in the clubhouse. And I don't think Soch was the only one <laughs> whose job was in jeopardy. <laughs> I think it was possibly, you know, do we, you know, blow this whole thing up and rebuild? Because you had yeah. some, you had some pieces you could probably trade or something. Yeah. But that being said, it, it, it was a blue collar mentality, and in that clubhouse, and we had some kind of no name arms in the bullpen that, yep. you know, just stood up and had fantastic years, and it very much was. You know, we played nine innings hard. We played 27 outs, and we won a lot of games that year in the eighth and ninth inning, and, um, yep. and in some ways, it, you know, we had some good starting pitching, you know, Kevin Apier and Jared Washburn and yep. Scott Schoenweiss, but there was many times where it was like just get them through five and give it to the bullpen, Yeah, and yeah. Um, that was different. I mean, today that wouldn't be so different. It's almost the the way it's played now, but back then sure. it was different, and, you know, I think that's where Soch when you go back to – just the uh, genius of a manager. I mean, he was really on that very front edge of that wave that we're seeing today, where, yeah. you know, your starters go five and your bullpen picks it up. And of course, you know, Soch had guys like Buddy Black, who's managing, and Joe Madden, who's managing, yeah. you know, as his as, as guys around him, that yeah. they really put together a game plan that I think you're seeing being demonstrated in the game today.
0: Yeah. 2002, I was almost out of baseball. I called up social and I said, I need a job. I actually played Mexico in the summer league that year, which is, I mean, you're almost done when that happens, right? So, the off season, I, I call up social. I'm like, man, I can't get a job. And he said, okay, man, I got you. And my agent calls me the next day. And he's like, you got a job with the Angels and you're going to big league camp. Man, I couldn't even get a job, let alone uh-huh. big league camp. But what was cool about that clubhouse was that early early on you and ga and Eckstein and erstad we had this meeting and you guys are like look we go first to third we hit behind runners we get our bunts down this is what we do there wasn't a coach in the room it was the players Mm -hmm. i had never seen that in a big league spring training i went to a bunch of big league spring trains with different teams and that was a much different core group of guys Mm -hmm. that They were high-character guys that winning was first and foremost in that clubhouse. And uh, i tell you what, that was a special group of guys.
1: Yeah, check your ego out of the door. I mean, it was a selfless team. And it showed, and it's really hard to do that nowadays. But it's so true that if you want to win as a team, everybody's got to be willing to pull pull their weight at whatever time is being asked. And, you know, it, it might have been something. No, I would never bunt. I mean, just because that wasn't a skill set no. that I had. No,
0: nor would you be asked about it. No, no, that wasn't your no. job. Yeah. actually, one time
1: I was, but I was with Terry Collins. But uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but no, I, I was very much the kind of player with a runner on second base and nobody out. Yeah, I'd like to drive them in, but I'm going to drive him in the right field. That worst case scenario, I'm getting them over. And I was, I love the hit and run. And I tell Joe, put it on. You know, to give up in a bad and maybe have to swing in a bad pitch from time to time. That's fine. I mean, I. 'Cause at the end of the day, you want to come back to a clubhouse that's celebrating, you know. And, True. and we all got that. And and again, kinda of going back, you know, this is the core guys you're talking about, with the exception of Eckstein, those guys were kind of there from about ninety-four, ninety five on. So yeah, we had already kind of been playing together for four or five years, cutting our teeth, gotten to know each other, we'd kinda of had some success, and then it fell off the cliff, and then, you know, we kinda of bought into this new idea that Soch brought in that you know, we're gonna play team fundamental baseball. You know, we're gonna do the little things. We're gonna focus on all these things that you had mentioned that mm-hmm. we think help wins wins ball games. And it's if you go back to even two thousand, we had four guys at thirty home runs. when we only won eighty two games. Think about that. Yeah, four guys at eight we had four guys at thirty home runs and in, in that ballpark, that's like hitting forty. Yeah. I mean, that ballpark, the ball goes nowhere. Yeah, it does. So, you know, when you think about that, you know, what did home runs get you? Okay, barely over five hundred. So um, yeah. You know, when Soch comes in and he says, hey, we're going to do things a little differently. Yeah, you can buy into that. And all of a sudden, you're winning three to two ballgames, two to one yeah. ball games. especially, you know, back in that time in frame. The A's were the team and they had the 300 monster with Zito, Mulder and Hudson. Yeah. You're not going to go out there and out-slug those guys. You've got to learn how to win a two to one ballgame, you know. Soch yeah. is like, we're going to keep that team to maybe score in one run. How do we score two? Run, yeah. Hit and run, get them over all those things. Yep. So,
0: No, I agree. So, in the World Series, you hit 346 with a 1.067 OPS. On that stage, what was the mindset? I I know you were saying before, you just keep your head down, do your deal. You just basically treat it like, hey, that's just another game and I'm going to take care of my ABs or what?
1: Yeah, well, you know, we're the wildcard team and you're you're grinding from September 1st on. Yeah. I mean, it felt like we played playoff games. You You were playoff mode. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) we were in playoff mode for 35 days. Yeah. So once you get in that mode, it's it just the playoffs come along. and It's like, all right, just another game. Keep doing what we're doing. You know, That's the, cool. The, the, the nerves and the anxiety and dealing with all the things that personally that you have to deal with to play in pressure situations, we had been doing that for 30 days. So it, it was nothing new. And by that point, we'd refined that ability to play in that kind of pressure. As far as me personally, like was I hot? I went into the first series. We played the Yankees. And I think I just did so-so. I think I had one night I had a home run or two or or something like that. But the Minnesota series, I kind of got shut down. I mean, I didn't do really much in anything in that Minnesota Mm -hmm. series. So was I hot going to the World Series? No. But that's the way baseball is. I mean, you know, I always see when a guy's struggling one week, I say, hey, I'll check in with you next week and see where we're at. Because when you're playing the game, you feel like... (laughs) <laughs> you feel like a week of struggling seems like a month. To yeah. so the outside world, it's like it's been five days. We'll check in in 10, you know, ten days and see yeah. where you're at and yeah. everything changes and that's the way baseball is. A week later, I'm hitting.
0: Kanerko said the same thing yesterday. He's like, man, I didn't realize how long the season really was and I would start off a bad month and i think, thinking, man, this season's over. I'm done. But you kind of need that outside voice like you're saying, that say yeah. your hitting coach is like, look, dude, you got, you're going to have a great year. you got five more months to go. But But as a hitter and you're the one going through that, it's an eternity.
1: Yeah, you yeah. go through two cities, not hitting the bat well, you feel like you're swinging it. You feel like you're never going to hit again. No, I, and you go home stand, you get hot, and you forget. Yeah. <laughs> Just a week ago, you weren't hitting.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So 2004, that was a pretty cool year. We, for we
1: for, <laughs> No, not for you. <laughs> As a
0: team, <laughs> that's true. As a team. There was nothing cool about 2004 No, not for, for you, me. but I mean... As a team, that was that was pretty cool. We'd come back from two games with, what, with like a week left with the with the you, I wasn't even,
1: let me see. You were playing in 2004. I was not there. So, so my 2004 went down like this. From 2000 on, my knee was bone on bone and uh-huh. grinding. My shoulder was had three torn rotator cuffs. I was limping after the 2002 World Series. I played 03. 04, it comes along, and I'm hurt from the first day in spring training I can hardly walk. It hurts to swing both my shoulder and my knee, and I'm grinding it out, That's and I true. am just like literally taking every pain medication they can give me <laughs> not, to, not to, you know, just to get through the night, and I went on a, I think I went on a couple of rehab stents. You know, they shut me down a couple of times that year, and then mm-hmm. I, I literally remember coming back in August, and, and it hurt so much. I was so done with the game. I was so... I mean, when you're spending three or four hours to prepare just to play in the training room, yeah. it's not fun anymore. And yeah. and I wasn't playing every day because it was hurt. It was just like, can you swing it? Can, what can you do? You get tired. I was like, I'm done. And... But I never saw that out of you. Like, we would
0: spend, I mean, I spent time with you. I I never, you never expressed that verbally, though, like, at least to us. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Our
1: trainer heard it. But everybody knew. I mean, I was literally running on fumes. And Mm -hmm. it really came down to Troy Glossel in the DL at the end. Remember? And then he came back. We were in Boston. He came back, like, I think it was like August 27th or something like that. It was somewhere right then of August. Mm-hmm. And I knew they were gonna to have to make a move. And I went and I told Sosh I said, when he's ready to come off, I said, I'm your guy. I said, I'm done. I said, mm-hmm. I'm going home, I'm getting my surgeries done. Cause I knew I had knew I had a knee surgery, a pretty significant yep. chondromalacia microfracture surgery that I needed to have done. It. And I knew my shoulder was gonna have some kind of rotator cuff deal. And 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 you know, I wasn't committed to quitting at that point. I mean, but it's like I got a year of rehab, let's get it started. what am I doing here? I'm not yeah. I'm not taking up dead weight on the bench and and so we were in Boston and Troy got activated and I knew I was done and then back in my mind I'm thinking this could be the end of my career too. Yeah. So yeah. it was pretty wild and so, you know so yeah 04 was not a fun year no. for me. They went to the playoffs. <laughs> I threw out a first pitch on crutches. Um <laughs> <laughs> and it was an exciting year. I mean, obviously, they didn't get as far as they wanted. Then, no. '05, I was gone the whole year. I wasn't even around the team. I was rehabbing here in Arizona. So, mm-hmm. there was a gap there where you might have some better memories of me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I left in 2005, and I didn't realize you came back in 2016. Six. 2006, sorry. As a non-roster invitee. Yeah. Like, you don't see so, that a lot.
1: Yeah. So, 18- 16 months of rehab, 18 months of rehab between two surgeries. And I actually, for the first time, I saw light at the end of the tunnel. And I, you know, okay, here's the nuts and bolts. I was under contract. They're paying me. So I'm going to work every day in the rehab, you know, the rehab facility going, Mm -hmm. well, this is my job. Treat it like a job. And I rehabbed every day, you know, four hours a day, whatever it was. And at the end, you know, coming into the winter, I was like, you know what? I actually feel pretty good. You know, I mean, my knee felt pretty good. My shoulder felt pretty good. And everybody's like, well, just go to camp as a non-roster, you know, two weeks into it, we'll retire you in an angel uniform. And that, I was kind of thinking that. But all along, I mean, I'm not hidden going, huh, this could be a little different, you know. And mm-hmm. and so I went in as a non-roster and it was the first year of the World Baseball Classic. yeah, And so all, all those guys, those old Latin players were gone doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, what did it? What, what's the one thing for a guy trying to make the club? You need spring <laughs> it's just
0: training. You need
1: opportunities and at bats, and yeah. I had a ton of them. Yeah. If it wasn't for the World Baseball Classic, I wouldn't have got those at bats. It's but they're playing me, and then Garrett Anderson got hurt in spring training, and all of a sudden the conversation goes, "Fish is uh, looking pretty good. He's swinging it. Are you sure you want to retire?" And I was like, "Well, hold on. Let me go back home and talk to my family." Because yeah. in '05, I was in the little league board. I was coaching little league that summer with my kids. I kind of turned the switch a little bit to uh-huh. retirement, and, you know, I came back and I said, hey, what do you guys think of one more year? I, I, went, out, I went out on such a bad note in 04, I, th- I said, if I could come back and just go out on my terms, mm-hmm. I'll do it. And so, 06 rolls around, and all the Latin players are gone playing the World League, and, you know, we got a couple injuries, and hey, Tim Seven makes us as the 25th guy, <laughs> and I actually was in the lineup, I was sitting third in the lineup for the first two, three weeks of the season until Garrett Anderson got back and I hit six home runs right off the bat, you know, that first month or whatever, first month and a half, and but I knew I mean You ready to renegotiate a new contract? No, no. <laughs> but I could tell I, I could tell I was breaking down already too. Oh, I mean, I, really? you know, the grind, I mean, everyday grind with the injuries I had. Mm-hmm. I'm good once every three or four days, maybe once a week, but I, I went hard for about a month and and then those guys came back and they started playing. And then I just basically fell into a bench roll and I only faced lefties the rest of the year, and mm-hmm. you know, played here and there, and so. But did you you enjoyed it? You enjoyed it, huh? it on my own it. terms, and yeah. I got to you know there there is something to say when you're a venturing guy and you don't have to play every day, like those day games after night games. And I knew I wasn't in there. It's <laughs> yeah. like, that's nice. Yeah, oh yeah. So there were some there were some things I enjoyed. And I got to enjoy you know the cities for the last time through, and kind of do some things that I wouldn't have normally done as an everyday player. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of guys like. Me like you don't know when your last year is, so you you no. you can't like you could smell the roses, right? Like you could be yeah. like, hey, look, I know what this was like, and maybe I would have done this or this or this. But you had that opportunity, right? And go to different yeah. cities, see different things, and yeah. kind of do the farewell yeah. tour. That and I, tell you, cool.
1: I had a talk with Eddie Perez, Eduardo Perez. Uh, he was with Seattle, mm-hmm. and I think at the time I had nine home runs, and he had like seven or eight. And I'm he, and I'm like, yeah, this is my last year. He goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> he goes, I've been doing what you're doing for the last five years. You could do this another five years. A left-handed hitting specialist with 10 bombs? Are you kidding me? And I'm like, yeah, that's not enough to keep me around. I'm going home. i got four kids at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I kind of wish I might have stuck around a year or two. Yeah. It been fun, but yeah, I, I it now.
0: So you retire October 1st, 2006, the last game against the A's.
1: Yeah.
0: What was that day like? Was that a was that a difficult day? Bittersweet. It was, was it-
1: weird. It was it was a weird day. Driving, going. Okay, this is my last day because I'd already made the announcement like the day yeah, before or yeah. something. So it was weird, and I knew I was going to be in the lineup. You know, I had nine home runs, and if I would have hit my tenth home run, that would have given me three three hundred. Yes, so I was yeah. one away. And so there's a little bit of that. Everyone seemed me get three hundred home runs, and. And, uh, but you're kind of, you know, you know what it's like a team out of contention the last day of the season. Everybody's just kind of like, bags are packed. Yeah. This is play the Get, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're, you know, I'm dealing with that on one side. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, it's like, I'm trying to take it in, but everybody's not really trying to take it in. I'm just trying to get out of there, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. and then the game happens, and, you know, and I'm mixed between do I try to hit a home run, which I never do, or do you just go up there and finish the you know, I remember I walked my first at bat and everybody's booing. And I'm like, what? I'm playing the game. And it's like, I don't they're think not, they're booing you. They're they booing, booing the pitcher. Me. They're yeah. booing the pitcher. But yeah. my point was, I was fine with that. I'm playing the game the way I always played it, you know? Yeah. But then it but it makes you think. It's like, no, people want to see a home run. So go up there and try to hit a home run. And,
0: yeah. and it just, it was like, it was
1: so bizarre. It was yeah, like it a out-of-body experience. And then being in the clubhouse and going, well, this is the last time I'll unpack this locker, you know?
0: And That's so crazy. it was weird. What do you miss most about the game?
1: You know, I miss most about the game being able to execute something I've worked really hard in doing on a stage, whether it's getting a base hit in a clutch situation or hitting a home run and, and, you know, whatever. When I watch and I do the TV now for the Angels and I'm upstairs, I'm in the press box and I see a guy hit a game winning hit or a home run and you're like, and the crowd goes crazy and you're like, that's a cool moment. Yeah, and I got to remind myself I had a lot of those cool moments but I'd like to experience that again it, there's yeah. nothing in life you'll get to do that you get to experience that again if you think about it yeah. There's yeah. you know I coach high school kids and maybe the cool moment is when you see the light bulb go off for a kid you mm-hmm. know something you've been teaching mm-hmm. but to actually go out there and you know I could go play golf every day and hit a, a, a monster drive it's like cool three French saw it. you know, it's yeah. like, you, know you don't share that with anybody I mean yeah. going out there and you know, executing, you know, hitting a great pitch for a home run and, and having the crowd go crazy or because, it, you know, it meant something, you'll never replace that. And that's probably what I miss.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I miss that. I miss, I miss you know, I miss a lot of the relationship sure. aspect oh, yeah. of it. You know, and that's kind of
1: a given too. I mean, I think everybody yes. can say that. I mean, I, yeah, the relationships, the camaraderie, grinding, I don't miss road trips. But see, yeah, and, and why yeah. that's not on the forefront of my mind is because I do the angels stuff, so I'm around the ballpark. Oh, yeah, that's so true. So I am kind of that seeing these relationships. I'm still around still those. still plugged in. Yeah. yeah, I'm still plugged in a little bit.
0: You remember our spring training meetings that we used to have? Those were different than, I think, any other team. It wasn't just like, hey, guys, here's the schedule. All right, let's go get them. It was a good...
1: The morning say? meeting. The
0: morning meeting about, what, 30 minutes sometimes?
1: Yeah. Well, you, you hoped it went longer because if it went longer, True. it meant that it was good humor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was a, he was a genius at that. And yeah. so many people have tried to copy it now. And yeah. I know Joe Madden, you know, oh, is yeah. famous for that now, oh, too. Yeah. The, the road trips, mm-hmm. dressing up. And Buddy Black does it a little bit. I, I hear it's different. They don't really do that now. You know, new management. But, yeah, the morning meetings were... Classic. I mean, there was always a rookie to be introduced to. There was always mm-hmm. a project that somebody was doing. They had to report on. Yes, yeah And so she had that comedic humor. Yep. To be able to sit in the middle of the room and just play that thing up, you know. Oh, he loved fun. that. I think he, he loved that. And you know, I I always said, you know, you played so loose in spring training. It was such a great atmosphere. It mm-hmm. was so much fun coming to the ballpark. Yeah. Because of that meeting and true, and I always thought. Could you do that meeting during the course of the season? Would it work over the course of 162? Because there's a lot of times where you're dragging coming to the ballpark yeah. and you're like, Boy, this is so opposite of what spring training was like coming to the ballpark. You True. Know? And I and I've so I've wondered about Yeah, that's a that's good. I never thought about that.
0: But you know what, guys you know how it is? Guys show up at different times yeah. during the season, right? And yeah. you know, maybe a, you could probably say, Look, guys, we're gonna meet for 20 minutes at this time, and then yeah. we're going to go take BP. Well, I think whatever, the difference
1: right? is spring training, the, the manager runs that. And once the season starts, it's really the player's clubhouse. So, you, yeah. And that's why it's important to have the characters in the game and the guys, the good clubhouse guys that yeah. can kind of keep things loose. So you're more reliant on the players to do it than the manager.
0: I always remember how – do you remember how social, like every day would rip on Sean Wooten? Like every day he would rip on Wooten and Wooten would take it so well, but there was always a day where it would just get under his skin and he would just like, he would just lose it.
1: Yeah. Woot, Woot, and you know, he's paying his dues. He's a hitting coach. I know. I saw that. It's awesome, dude. That's so um, cool. Yeah. Woot, Woot was a unique character. He could take that and, um, Spezia would rip on Wooten too yeah, all the time yeah. and that, that's the good humor you know it's funny you know Sunch took a lot too I mean he, oh, he, gosh. he could handle oh, he, took he a could beating. handle the banner back and forth and every once in a while somebody would throw a jab his way and you know I always remember what was it the, um, the Renaissance Festival you yeah. gave us, you funded that. You, yeah. you were the producer. <laughs> was that the best video yeah. of all time? Yeah, going out there and having the, the big fat guy on the horse, wearing a social jersey. That was amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. Uh, hey, do you remember the Blue Angels video? Yeah, I do. I do remember that. Yeah. Tell us about that video. I don't well, think many people you know saw, about that video. Well, the
1: video you saw the real video, but no, no, they
0: spliced it. I, I saw know, them both. I know,
1: I know. Yeah, so the real video after the world series I got to fly with the Blue Angels, which was a lifetime experience, but like with anything you get up there us mere mortals I mean you get up there and you you end up throwing up a few times and and so uh, my, my highlight video of that had me throwing up towards the end of the ride and of course, Diego Lopez. Yes, he took yeah. the he took the video and spliced it into the the Top Gun video.
0: Oh, the Top Gun you the were, music, oh, and, and they showed you. You yeah. were
1: like money talking, you know, and
0: they're like, "That's not the that's real not video." The and yeah,
1: they spliced it on my throwing up, and, uh, and anyway, was, I still have that. It's it's pretty funny. But oh, uh, yeah. you have it? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. You know, some of my other favorite memories of that year were every time that we landed in New City, you would take a group of guys out and we'd always go to a steak restaurant. Yeah, steak joint, yeah. That was one of the highlights. Mm-hmm. We'd have a good 10, 15 guys there. I mean, it's just such a good group
1: of guys. Bonding, team bonding. I always yeah, look forward to it that. Was, yeah, it was, you know, that came back in the mid-90s. We had a guy named Dave Hollins and we had some old school guys and they dragged myself and some other rookies out and took us out to dinner, and you know, and, we became a regular thing and what you really find is that you, you build a lot of that camaraderie outside the clubhouse too and, and it yeah. carries over and it was just something it was just a natural thing to carry over for me and going in the, in the cities I wasn't a guy that was going to go to the nightclubs or going out looking for the party scene but I wanted to be able to relate with my teammates and connect and Offer these opportunities. Not everybody came, but it was special. I, I mean, I look back on that. I mean, those are good opportunities for us to bond. And I think as a veteran, that's kind of your role.
0: Well, to us, it meant a lot. One other memory I have is we would go over the video of the bullpen and the starting pitcher that night before anybody else was there. You were usually there pretty early. I'm
1: rehabbing something. Yeah,
0: I remember we were watching video of the Mariners and everybody in that bullpen that came in. It was like six or seven of them that we reviewed and every single guy came in throwing 92 to 96 Mm -hmm. and we were just commenting how every single guy had this power arm and you said wait i want to show you something you went to diego and you asked him and came back with this big brick called a vhs tape
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh, i'm surprised they had a machine to run (laughs) it yeah i
0: know (laughs) you pop that thing in and you were showing me at bats from, gosh, I don't know even know what year it is. Probably your rookie year, second year, whatever it was. And guys were throwing 85 to 88, 89. And, uh, guys were
1: thumbers back then. The bullpen yeah. was all thumbers. Everybody's real thin. Yeah, yeah, curveball specialists, slider change-ups, hit the corners. But they weren't going to blow you away. But that was a different era. You know, all those guys were talking about that were like that in the bullpen. They used to be able to throw a good fastball, but guess what? Back in the day, you'd spend five, six years in the minor leagues, so <laughs> you, yeah. you'd waste all those good fastballs in A and Double A, and you learn to throw your off speed by the time you get to the big leagues. And nowadays, these kids are—you know—they're coming in blowing heat. as you know they're throwing as hard as they can. Mm-hmm. And they don't know when their last day, you know, it might be tomorrow or it might be, you know, they don't know how much tread they're going to have on that tire. They don't know what their career is going to look like. The guys that we're talking about back in the day had careers. I mean, they were open specialists for five, six, seven years. And so they knew how to manage their arms and how to pitch and get outs without having to blow it out. And that's why you're seeing the difference today. And even like you say, with the Mariners back then. That was the start of what we're seeing today. You know, guys just coming in to the specialists and airing it out. And I understand why these kids want to light up the radar guns because they get some notice. But what you but you don't understand is on the flip side of it, yeah, they're going to blow you out for two years. And when you're done, kick you to the curb, bring in the next guy. You know, the guy that wants a career, that wants to play in the big leagues, hey, take a few MPHs off that, you know, mm-hmm. fastball and learn to throw your other pitches and learn to command a 90-mile-an-hour fastball that's located is so much better than a 95-mile-an-hour fastball right down the middle. Wouldn't you agree?
0: I agree, yeah, and, 100%. and so
1: you can learn to pitch at 90 to 92 if you can throw your other stuff for strikes, and that's totally what's missing from the game today is that that's why guys get hammered. I mean, guys throwing 98 getting hammered, and you're going, 98 in my day? <laughs> you yeah. Never got hammered. Oh, no. Strike zone is different, too. They have to throw over the shoebox. We got the corners back then. The pitchers yeah. got the corners back when we played, and they don't get You think anywhere.
0: of that as because quest tech? The Angels had quest tech early on.
1: They had it, and you could say, oh, that's outside, but the umpire was calling a strike. Now these umpires are graded in such a way, they are so good. They do not call outside that box. And you watch all day long. You see balls in the corner. You're like, holy cow, I hit them for a home run back when I played. I mean, he, he, you, know, yeah, you have to cover true. six inches with John Hirschback. There were certain umpires you knew that were pitchers umpires. Eric, yeah, like were Eric Gregg and Eric Greg, guys yeah. like
0: that. It was like.
1: So yeah, I, watch our, I watch these kids hit today and I go, I would be a Deadpool hitter too if I knew I did not have to worry about anything off the corner of the plate. Because I could pull everything, you know, on that. And point. different guys had different strikes, though, right? Like Maddox and Glavin, they didn't have to throw it over the plate ever.
0: They didn't. Yeah, they never did. It was like a name game up there, you totally. know. Totally.
1: You know, it was on the back of your jersey. And yeah. that's where the game has changed. And I think it's better. I would love to play today because I had a good eye, I knew what a strike was. And you're seeing these guys taking balls just off the corner. And you know, they're bitching and moaning and complaining. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roll it back 10 years, pal. That's like right down the middle of some umpires, you know. But yeah. again, it's just the era, everybody's got to change, they got to deal with a higher strike zone now. And, and I true. even mentioned this to you when you see a guy throwing 96, 97 today, he was probably throwing 93 in our day. That's how I I, didn't know that. I, I, yeah. I equate it that way. I mean, and they, it's just technology is, is proven out. I mean, the guns were slower back in our day because the way the technology was. Now they catch it right off the fingertips. And so it helps me gauge hitters, too. You know, when you're seeing everybody turn around a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, and I go, back in the day, Percival threw 95 and Roger Clemens threw 95 and Randy Johnson threw 95, and they were unhittable. Yeah. How is 95 so hittable today? Because it's not really 95. It's yeah, more no, like 92. That makes sense.
0: You played 14 years of the Angels one team your whole career I told you before this I was talking to Canerco he played 16 years of the White Sox he had multiple chances to sign with different teams as did you is that something that you're most proud of is being with the Angels for that long?
1: Yeah I had one opportunity and that was my last contract I signed it was the winter of 2000 and my thought was, okay, this would be my last opportunity to jump ship and maybe come back home to Arizona and play. And Arizona was going places then, they won the World Series in 01. And I thought about it. I thought long and hard about it. And at the end of the day, I ended up re-signing. And I, I got to tell you, it's the best thing I ever did was re-signing because your career is over in a blip. I've been out of the game almost as long as I played the game. That's when you start really looking back. You got to kind of have people remind you that you played. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. You start getting out of the game a long time. But what I do have as a player that's been an organizational player from cradle to grave, I have a home to come back to. And that's yeah. what I think gets back to the core of it and what the guys that have been able to do that. They they have a home to come back to. I come back to Angel Stadium. That's my home. The fans, the front office, the security guards. You come back and when you need that shot in the arm to make you feel good, you have somewhere to go. And yeah. I can come back there and I have a job, you know, doing TV. That's why I look back and I go, I'm so glad I didn't go somewhere else. Now, there's times when I say would have been fun to experience playing a year in Yankee Stadium or, you know, playing yeah. on the East Coast or playing in Chicago. Of course, there's always that curiosity, but that first organization is kind of your organization. And when you leave it and you go and play other places, you never really have the opportunity to come back to it. And it's it's pretty unique when a guy can do that. But it is something special to be able to say you started and, you know, I mean, I got drafted by the Angels, went through the whole. I mean, I know that I know that that organization from top to bottom. I can give you the history. So it's it's pretty special.
0: That is special. Well, Fish, thanks for your time. It's so cool that we haven't spoken in a while, but for you to do this for me and come out, I, I really appreciate it. You're one of the special guys I play with, and I think a lot of you. Yeah, I appreciate lot, that. And
1: you know what? It's it's that's what happens when you play a game. You're 162 days in the, you know, in the trenches. I mean, yeah. you know, friendships you may not see them for years, but you pick up where you left off. And and I see a lot of guys come around, and I hadn't seen them in years, and you pick up right where you left off. It's and true. Um, that's what makes baseball so great and that's what makes the clubhouse so great you know you build a lot of great relationships and i'm glad yeah. we had a chance to cross paths again yeah, and catch absolutely. up a little bit and i'm excited to hear about what's going on in your life and yep. yeah anytime anytime
0: all right thanks man thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform